I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 205. All right, doing what we do, jumping right in. Hello, ladies. Last time I sent in a story, it was read on the 100th Sinister Sightings episode. What a wild ride it's been since then. I have so much fun listening to you gals grow as a podcast. I have a shorter yet spooky tale to tell this time. Recently, my brother-in-law gifted my parents a historical bass drum that was played in an Orange Hall pipe band. Now, you may be asking yourself, the fuck is an Orange Hall pipe band? Me too. In Ontario, Canada history, there's a very strong Protestant group that formed smaller groups under the Orange Lodge. I'm no historical expert, but I do have a great-grandfather that was part of said organization and played the bass drum, to be exact. I would like to take this point to say that I do not share nor condone the cause or values of said group, but family history is what it is, whether we approve of it or not. Back to said spooky drum. The last noted date on this bass drum says it was last serviced in 1920-something, which is wild to me that something so old is currently residing in my garage. About a week or so after it was given to my mom, she noticed that she would get up in the mornings and the garage door would be unlocked. She would swear that she triple checked the door before she went to bed to make sure it was locked. We live in the country now, but just moved from the city, so old habits die hard. Won't catch us with an unlocked door, no matter how cool the neighbors are. Two days ago, I wake up and my mom asks, did you go into the garage last night? To which I responded, no. My ass passed out at like 9 and didn't wake up until the alarm called at 7. She then asked if I went to the freezer downstairs in the basement. A solid no. She then told me that the garage door was unlocked and open as well as the freezer in the basement. Wide open. Either one of us is sleepwalking or the cat screw thumb and can open the doors. I would like to note that since moving into the new house, we observe that energy here is clear and peaceful. Both my mom, sister, and I are on the sensitive side and agree that the old place had some baggage. But the new place feels safe and calm. The strange experiences only started after the drum was gifted. My mom often walks into the garage and says she feels that whoever the drum belonged to is a proper proud sort of fella. What should we do? I mean, other than sage the thing, of course, lots of love ladies keep on creeping on. Tanya from Ontario, or it could be Tanya. I don't know. We're Southern, so a lot of people say Tanya. I remember the last day I was serviced. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, I would say get rid of that thing. Yeah. Because uh, don't be spoiling my meat and shit up in my freezer by leaving it open. That shit is not cheap. Right. Or put it in like a glass case. Yeah, but if they're open in a freezer and the doors, they'd get out of a glass case. Well, I mean, you'd have to like, you know, put a spell on it. Like how the Warrens did with Annabelle. I was thinking Hocus Pocus. I put a spell on you. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for that rendition. (laughs) (laughs) It was beautiful, ma'am. Uh-huh. It wasn't. Okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. My name is Eileen. I'm a 20-year-old who acts and feels 40, and I've been listening to the podcast for almost a year now. I listen to it while driving, working, or at the gym, and it makes time go by so much faster. After each episode, I recap the entire thing to my mom. I've decided to write in my own story because I have quite a few. I'm going to start with my more recent ones. I've always seen and felt the presence of spirits, but I've never necessarily been scared until now. Three months ago, my family and I moved into this new home and I was so excited. The first couple of nights, I couldn't sleep very well, but I blamed it on just not being used to my new room. However, it got so much worse. When I would sleep, I would wake up in a panic and sweat every night. 
I haven't had not one good night's sleep in this house. I told my mom, but she brushed it off as always. She never experienced anything, so she thinks I'm just scaring myself. Time had passed, and I was used to just not sleeping and had sort of made peace with it. However, that was not a good idea. Two weeks ago, I was asleep when all of a sudden my eyes bolted wide open like I was straight awake, almost too awake, if that makes sense. At this time, I was facing my wall because I sleep on my side when suddenly I felt someone come and lay down next to me in bed. I knew right away it was not anyone in the house because nobody comes into my room. I could feel whoever it was right against me, and I refused to turn around because I was so scared to see what it was. So I closed my eyes and stayed facing the wall. Then it got worse. As I was squeezing my eyes closed, I heard and felt a slow inhale and exhale on my neck and shoulder. I never in my life have felt that much fear. The breathing happened a good four or five times. This entire time, I did not move. Finally, I felt whatever or whoever was there leave, but the feeling did not stop. There's a specific spot in my room that I always feel uneasy about, and there's been multiple times where I wake up in the night and my dog is staring there and growling. It's this tiny space between my bathroom and closet. As I was laying there, I could feel that whatever was laying with me was standing in that area, just staring at me. No one else in my family experiences anything, so it's hard for them to believe me, but I know what I feel. I've also seen a tall black shadow pass by my windows more than once. And I know it's not a real person because my room's in the back and there is a large wall that goes around the entire house, so not anyone could just walk by. I guess I'll just have to live with whatever is going on until we move again, which I know won't be soon. The next story happened when I was about seven or eight years old. It's not so much sinister, it's just weird and confusing for me. I was living in my childhood home at this time, and one day I was sleeping and woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. I opened the door to my room and stepped into the hallway. When I looked up, I saw my cousin, who's a year older than me, standing there. He was looking at a giant portrait my grandma has of the Virgin Mary. He was wearing a muscle shirt and pajama shorts like he had just woken up too. I asked him what he was doing awake and he said he couldn't sleep. So I just walked past him and went to the restroom. When I came out, he was gone. So I assumed he went back to sleep. So I went to bed too. When I woke up in the morning, I didn't even remember right away what had happened. But then all of a sudden it came back to me. And I remember my exact first thought was, he doesn't even live here anymore. That's right, my cousin had moved away years before this, so how was he there? Well, he wasn't. I have no idea what this means. I told my grandma and she dismissed it and said I was sleepy, but I could see that she was concerned and I think she called his mom later. To this day, I have no idea what that interaction meant or how it even happened. It was literally impossible for him to be there. Let me know what you guys think. I have more stories to share and I'll write again soon. Love the podcast so much. Thank you for keeping me entertained. Also, I can't spell for shit, so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what that interaction was, but that's creepy as fuck. I do know I want no part of it. Right? Also, the breathing on your neck. Ugh. No, 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 no. I don't want that either. 
Definitely don't want that breathing all up in my space. Get off. Back up. Ugh. Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies. Finding a podcast with so many episodes is a blessing. I'm listening to them all in a random order, and I don't know how close or far I am from catching up. I listen to y'all when I'm cooking. You can refer to me as S if you can't pronounce my name, but no need to keep me anonymous. I think it's Sundaria, but hopefully I didn't butcher it, but I'll call you S. I'm 20, and I go by she, her pronouns. Anyway, I have one paranormal, and I'll share a true crime story one very soon, since this is going to be pretty long. My aunt shares this ability with her daughter, who can see the same stuff that she can. I truly believe that my cousin, who is like my sister, can see stuff despite me not believing in all this. To give a little background, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. I'm super skeptical when it comes to paranormal. My aunt claims to be sensitive to this stuff. I suspect there might be some truth to this, although I'm not sure how much I believe in the paranormal. I'm from India. My aunt was sent back from the U.S. during the Trump presidency. She was going to settle in Chennai, a district in Tamil Nadu, India. Hopefully I pronounced all that right. And decided to build a house there. She was temporarily staying in a rental house, which was assumed to be haunted. I visited her house for summer vacations. My aunt would complain about weird dreams in the house where a voice would call out for mama. And my aunt went to the front of the house to see a girl sitting on the stairs crying. My aunt would wake up as soon as she was about to open the door. I always felt an oppressive presence in that house. Never saw anything, but felt a load on my shoulders at all times. There had been no incidents in the house itself, but apparently an honor killing occurred right outside the house. Parents set hit on their daughter for dating someone from another caste. A lot of things like this happen here, and it's sad and disgusting. Women dating or having sex out of wedlock, especially with a person from another caste, is considered to be the worst freaking thing ever. People get more mad at sexually liberated women than rapists and murderers. Anyway, back to the story. My aunt held a preschool on the ground floor. My grandmother was the principal. A lot of teachers and helpers in the school would talk about the presence. Something is always there. The house always had a dark tint to it. My grandma was a huge skeptic. She never claims to see or feel anything. She'd be alone in the house when we were all gone out and stuff. Do what you will with that information. My aunt, my two cousins, and I would take naps in the master bedroom together. It was usually my cousin and I that would wake up last. One day, I was sleeping, and when I woke up, the room was dark. It was barely 2.30 p.m. and felt heavy AF. I couldn't breathe. It was suffocating. I tried to shake my cousin awake, but I couldn't. This overwhelming sense of fear took over me. It wasn't something you'd usually feel. The fear overtook me before I realized I couldn't move or breathe. Could it be sleep paralysis? I don't know. I never had it before that or since then. My aunt even found a dead black chicken on the property. Black chickens are usually used in rituals, and finding a dead black chicken is always considered as bad luck slash evil. One day, we came home from an outing, and my cousin and I competed in who's going in first and parked the bicycles inside the house slash school. I won and looked into a dark room of the house and immediately felt something pull me in. It was magnetic. I was so scared that I ran the fuck out. More than that, we would often smell the smell of burning corpses. Don't ask me how I know what that smells like. I just do. It could very well be someone charring an animal to eat, but it gave me the creeps. Even to this day, I just think it was my fear that caused the anxiety and consequent bodily reactions to anxiety that I wasn't able to understand as a child, but I'm not super convinced. 
Story two, my aunt owns a house in Chennai now, but decided to move to another city. In this house, my aunt claims to see a warrior spirit that takes the form of black smoke. I was living in my aunt's house for eight months back in 2018 to complete schooling because I was kicked out of my old school for lack of attendance. The hall always gave me the creeps. At this time, my uncle worked in Chennai, so he would stay over there in their house. One night, we were FaceTiming him, and my aunt started speaking more formally and stuff. The kind of voice you'd put on around strangers. My cousin, my aunt's son, and I were not looking at the video call itself because we were trying to divide snacks or some shit. But my aunt and my other cousin, the girl who can see shit like my aunt, were. My aunt asked if my uncle was still at the office, and he said no. My aunt asked, oh, then who are those guys next to you, your friends? P.S. These guys look like they were in their 20s and my uncle is almost 50. What? I'm alone in our house. And when my aunt and cousin looked up to face each other and looked back, the guys vanished. We heard the commotion. Of course we did. We were staying next to them and asked what it is. My aunt said, I saw two men standing next to Appa and looking right down into the camera. That's how we thought he was in the office. My sister cousin joined in and said, yes, I saw them too. We were freaked out. After getting off the call, we did some cleansing. My aunt told my uncle to do the same. My uncle does not believe in that kind of shit at all. Not one bit. He just got up, ate, and went to sleep in the same house that night. He doesn't give a shit. I will never understand people like my gram and my uncle. The house I currently live in is inherited from my grandfather. I'm so thankful to have this house because there's no way we'd be able to pay rent or buy on our own. This one's pretty short, but when our upstairs house, which is also ours, was empty, we'd hear loud thuds of someone dropping weights or an adult jumping. My mom and I ignored it for the most part, as we never really paid much detail to it until we started noticing how weird it was. It was so creepy. I was attending extra tuition classes back then. This was five to seven years ago. And my teacher was really spiritual. She was like a mother figure to a lot of us, and I confided in her about the activities in the upstairs house. She gave me some herbs from her altar, and the sound stopped that very next day. I'm an atheist at this point, but I have no way of explaining this. I have a couple more to share if you want. I think you ladies do an amazing job on this podcast, and I hope you keep doing this. Until next time, creep it real and don't get scared. Sundaria or S. How are you going to have those experiences and stuff and still not believe, S? Well, because it can all be explained away. Some, Well, I don't know. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I don't know about the FaceTime thing. Right. But it could be like shadows. Or, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm very gullible. I'm very skeptic. This is why we work. Yeah. <laughs> also, what you're hearing upstairs could have been Carrie in college when she just threw down the books. <laughs> Do you remember when the girl that lived underneath us was like, "Do y'all just throw your books from the top?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what I do, actually." Oh God! Sorry. <laughs> Her loud ass like medical books. Okay, the next one. The ghost that follows us. Hi, y'all. Y'all can use the names in this story. I'm sitting here listening to Sinister Sightings episode 168, and I'm listening to the one about the military housing, and I figured I should send in more stories since we now live on a military base. Also, yes, the military does pay for us to move. However, at least with our branch, stuff regularly gets stolen after it's been packed or broken or lost. 
Sometimes it's just easier to move your stuff yourself, but recently several of the people who have moved from our base have had their cars with all of their belongings attached to them stolen while they check into hotels or stay the night at a hotel during their trips to their new homes. What the hell? So you kind of have to pick your battles when it comes to moving as often as we tend to do. But I digress. We live in Cape Cod, Massachusetts on Otis Military Base or JBCC, whichever you want to call it. Otis is a wild place and we call it Chernobyl because there are tons of straight up abandoned houses and townhomes and three abandoned schools. Which, side note, I went into one of the schools after a hurricane had blown the doors open, as well as blown out most of the windows, and the inside literally looks like they had school on Tuesday, and then no one showed up on Wednesday. Everything is still there. Computers, kids' art, school weekly schedules, AC units, desks, everything. It gave me the hardcore creeps and literally like a week or two later, someone, I don't know who, was going through the schools and found a body of someone who we were told snuck onto the base and OD'd in one of the rooms. (gasps) They didn't give out a ton of information, but it was freaky to find out. Anywho, I'm going to tell you guys this story out of order, so bear with me because I wanted to tell you about the house we live in now on Otis, and I'll share our experience living completely isolated in a townhouse with no neighbors, but surrounded by other empty townhomes for three months later. The house we live in now honestly felt fine when we first came to see it. It's way bigger than we're supposed to have because we don't have kids, but it was the only one available, and since they forgot that we had moved here for three months, and the captain of the base my husband is on complained they moved us into the first available house they had. This house has three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a half-finished basement, laundry room, and an enclosed garage instead of a carport. When we moved in, there were only two other houses that had people in them. All of this is important, I swear. So when we first moved in, it was fine. My husband, B, had me walk around and ask me how I felt, and I said fine. He was relieved because I had felt terrible at our townhouse and refused to be alone there. So this house was a breath of fresh air. We finally met the movers, and after six months of not having any of our belongings, we were reunited with our clothes, furniture, books, and cutlery. Doesn't seem important until you get your temp house and they have eight spoons, one fork, and two butter knives. I set to work unpacking and finding the dog toys for our puppers, Oriole and Sven. Within the first week, something started feeling off. Sven, who is normally glued to my side since we rescued him a year prior, is spending a ton of time down in our basement. He's an anxious boy due to his previous abuse and gets scared about the slightest change. And that usually leads to him turning into a 90-pound lap dog. So for him to be so far away from me when I'm home is weird. Then he starts going with me downstairs if I'm going down by myself and will sit between the laundry room and the other room, where my office is now. I thought it was weird, but not so weird since he's always normally by my side. Well, one day I walked down to grab the laundry and I noticed he doesn't join me. I realize it's because he's already down there in the spare room. I peek in expecting to see him curled up in his kennel, which is his safe space, only to find him in the finished part of the basement in a playful stance, looking up at something and then back down at his toy. He juked whatever was there 
and grabbed the toy before throwing it in the air, then looking at whatever was there like, aren't you going to play too? I should also mention Oriole is not a fan of this room and would avoid it at all cost. But this continued for a while of Sven playing with whatever was inhabiting the room. I thought it was something new and harmless for the most part, so I was more than happy to let it be and go about my life. Until the dream started, and the funny feeling in the hallway, just like the feeling from the first house we lived in, in our apartment... I was suddenly terrified again. The dreams were always in our house and in the hallway feeling like someone or something was reaching out to grab me, but before it could, Sven would boop me with his nose and wake me up. Then whatever or whoever it was started talking. Nothing I can remember now, but I remember being shaken to my core and refusing to be out of our bedroom alone in the dark. Again, our bedroom was the safest spot in the house. This continued for a while until one night B and I were in our bedroom with the door open and Sven was on the bed and Oriel out in the living room. We're having a chat about random crap, most likely about how we were going to build a snowman the next day and then the knocking started. It was a quiet knock at first, then extremely loud banging on one of the doors. It was like the first time it had happened at our house in Washington, only the TV in our living room didn't turn on. The dogs lost their minds. Sven tore out of our room and joined up with Oriole, running back and forth from the back door to the main front door, and then Sven ran down to the garage door and barked at the door, which led into the garage, into another door into the house, and ran back up. B pulled on some sweats and grabbed a flashlight and our machete, a gift from my mom, and we no longer have firearms in our house due to living on the military base and not having our Massachusetts concealed carry. He tried to calm the dogs down, but they continued to freak out. He went out through the garage door, and once he was outside, the banging stopped. He walked around the entire house and into the woods and came back a little pale. I asked who it was, and he said no one. I asked if it was some kind of animal, and he said no. I kind of stared at him and waited for an answer, and he looked at me and said something no one really ever wants to hear. He said there was no one, nothing that could have made that banging. There are no footsteps outside leading to or away from any of our doors. Now, maybe you're wondering, Taylor, how does he know that there were no footsteps? Well, it had started snowing a few hours prior, and neither us nor the dogs had been out since it started snowing. So the only footsteps from the outside were B when he walked around the house. He checked all the doors and windows and made sure everything was locked and prayed with me and we went to bed. We aren't those people who cuddle while they sleep, but that night I swear we clung to each other the whole night. That night I also had a dream. I dreamt I was standing in our hallway at the top of the stairs to the basement and there was sunlight pouring in through the windows. It was almost idyllic in the way the sunlight hit the dust in the air. But then the voice that sounded like him from the Powerpuff Girl saying, I will never leave you. You cannot escape me. You will never be free. I will go with you everywhere. You can't get rid of me. I remember screaming in my dream as he said all of this, but somehow I was able to close my eyes in my dream. I opened them, and with everything I had, I said, You are not welcome. You cannot be here. This is my home, and you have to leave. And just like that, 
I felt my Nana had put her hand on my shoulder and warm light flooded the room and Sven was booping me awake. I got up and prayed and made an offering to the house gods and asked for protection over the whole house and I prayed to my Nana and thanked her because I could feel her pushing me along the whole time. Since then, we haven't had anything super weird happen in our house and Sven has stopped playing in the basement and in fact really doesn't come down there anymore and Oriole spends a ton of time in my office with me. The house feels relatively normal. Weird things here and there, but I know it's my family checking in on me and making sure we're okay. Whew. Anyway, sorry that was so long. I'll send in more stories about the townhouse and go into more detail about my sleep paralysis in my next emails. I'll also send you the story of how B took me on a ghost tour and I saw a spirit and was touched a lot in the United States oldest King's jail. I've got lots of time to write emails coming up because your girl is having a booby reduction, hoping to turn these F's into C's or at least smaller than a double D. So I'll write soon. You guys are truly amazing and have helped me feel like I have friends I can hang out with since moving to a state I've never been to in the middle of the pandemic. I honestly don't think I would have gotten through my first two years here without your podcast. B asked me all the time, how are y'all doing and what's going on with the podcast? Like I'm actually talking to you. You two are truly beautiful humans with the kindest hearts. And I honestly don't know what I would do without your podcast to keep me company. Thank you so much for all you do. Creep it real and don't get scared. Taylor. Well, that's just a whole lot of nope in that. Mm -mm. Nope, 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 nope. I mean, I do want someone to be obsessed with me, but not like that. Well, and it's always so scary, like, when your dog is involved, because they just know shit. They do. You just threw his toy up, like, hello, are you going to catch it? Are you going to play? I mean, you're just going to stand there with your stick up your ass? What you doing? <laughs> also, fuck those people for stealing people's stuff, one, period. But two, from people in the military, like, you can fuck all the way off. Yes. I think I got more stuck on that than anything in the actual story. Because that made me so angry. First of all, I hate when people steal. Don't steal. And two, these are people in the military. Like, they're literally, their entire life is service for this damn country. Don't get Carrie on her soapbox. You haven't been there in a long time. Yeah, I'm, I've gained weight. I'm tired. <laughs> okay, the next one. Hi, Donna and Carrie. My name is Kayla. I first want to start off by saying you guys are awesome. You helped me get through my early mornings at work. I'm in housekeeping at creepy Hogwarts like school in Delaware. So most days I can't wait to get to work to put in my AirPods and literally listen to the next story. So thank you for that. I have tons of stories because I'm kind of sensitive to spirits and my mom is also. This is how we kind of connect because we just get each other and we both love the paranormal. Anyway, I was at her house and just sat down on the sofa and all of a sudden, I get the feeling that I sat right on someone or really close to them. Along with that, I smelled a strong cherry cigar smell. That's the only way I can explain it. But I know I didn't sit on anyone because I know it's just me and her in the room. I can normally tell if a spirit is male or female. And for some reason, a lot of male spirits cling to me. I also can tell if they're older or younger. I yelled to my mom and asked if she had felt a spirit around and she automatically said, yeah, that's Joe. My mouth dropped and my heart skipped a few beats. Spirits don't scare me. I think I had that reaction because I was so shocked that she said what I already knew. She also said he smokes cherry cigars. After that, I was unwell. Anyway, I left her house that night and she called me later that night and told me that Joe went with me. 
And I was okay with it because he wasn't negative or a bad spirit at all. I often wondered about Joe and why he stuck with me. Weeks after Joe had clung to me, I smelled his cherry smoke intensely all the time in my room until one day I couldn't take the smell anymore because it would make my stomach upset that I kindly told Joe, I'm sorry, but you have to go. That cigar smell is too strong. And he left just like that. Only one time he came back and I think it was to check up on me, which I love because I felt so comforted. I went to my grandma's a couple of days after I told Joe he had to go and she said he went to the bar down the street and the bar is a more popular bar because they are also a seafood place and a lot of older crowd goes there in the summer. It wasn't until a couple of years later that I figured out who Joe was and I lost my mind. My little sister had a grandpa on her dad's side of the family that she met at a young age. Her dad was never in the picture but her grandparents stepped in when we had family issues and got custody of my little sister. Her grandpa's name was Joe. Joe was such a kind-hearted man and always had those outlaw tendencies, but he did a lot for my sis and I will always be thankful for him. The way I figured out that this Joe was the Joe with the cherry cigar, I was at a different bar with that same sister. One of the bars that Joe used to hang out a lot and the bartender that knew him said something about his cherry cigars. My heart sank to my butt. But at the same time, I felt so good because he was visiting me. And it's just a good feeling to know that he was there. Joe passed by some sort of brain cancer, but when it hit, it hit and it crushed everyone. I'm glad to know that he was watching over me and my sis. And I think he was trying to tell me to take care of her in a way. I could go on and on with all my stories, but I'll save them for a different day. Love you girls so much. Keep it real and don't get scared. P.S. I don't care if you use my name. I'm so glad I read that story because Donna cannot say cherry. I can't. (laughs) Literally, just before we were recording, I said cherries. And I was like, wait, no, cherry. Wait, how do you say it? (laughs) I was like, cherry. I can't help it. Also, weird flex, but okay. Because you're like, all the male spirits cling to me. I mean, just toss your hair back. God. What's funny is I thought that too. I mean, I'm just jealous. I'm not saying anything bad about you. I'm just jealous. I mean, though, let's just do like asterisk here. I don't want any male spirits to haunt me. Okay, thank you. Okay, the next one. Hello, you beautiful ladies. My name is Christina or Chrissy, whichever's fine. And yes, you can use my name. I've been listening to your podcast for six months now and have just caught up. So I finally joined Patreon. Welcome. And I don't know how y'all catch up so damn fast. I have a few spooky things that have happened to me that I'll send in a separate email, but for now, I thought I'd suggest two very interesting crimes that took place in my city of Buffalo, New York. Okay, Carrie, listen up. Got my listening ears on. Okay. The first is of a child killer who was a child herself, and the second is of a serial killer. The child killer was a 15-year-old girl whose name is listed as either Cheryl Jaws or Cheryl Jaws. I find it spelled both ways, but I will just call her Cheryl. This took place in Buffalo in 1961, and there's even a book about this case called Who Killed Buffalo? Searching for the Murderous Pied Piper. She was also dubbed The Stranger with Candy. She would lure young kids with candy and kidnap them, which would lead to the murder of at least one of them. I first learned of the story from my father, who was six at the time. He thinks that he and his younger sister actually had an encounter with Cheryl. My dad and his sister were playing in their driveway when a teen girl, who they thought was an adult, tried to lure my aunt away. 
Thankfully, my grandma was looking out the window watching the kids and when she saw what was going on, she ran outside and the girl ran off. Fast forward a few weeks and a story came out in the newspaper, you know, they didn't have TV back then, about Cheryl luring young kids away from their home, usually with candy. She bound and gagged at least two kids and tied them to railroad tracks. Those two kids luckily survived. She then drowned a three-year-old boy in a nearby park, which I happen to currently live within walking distance of and visit very frequently. This is a huge park with a lake. I think about it whenever I look at that lake. But that's not what got her caught. Cheryl was trying to lure away yet another child when the parents scared her off, but a neighbor cornered her and had the police come. She was released because even though they felt like her behavior was strange, they did not think she was a kidnapper or killer because they felt like they were looking for an adult. But within 24 hours, she was caught again when the police traced a harassing phone call that she was making to her murder victim's parents. It was found that she had a very troubling childhood, which included time in a mental institution and only finishing the seventh grade. For her crimes, she was sentenced to another mental institution. She was deemed cured only seven years later and released, but her current location is not known. Oh my gosh. The second story is of Altimio Sanchez. I hope I said his name correctly. Which I did briefly hear mentioned on a previous episode of Sinister Sightings, but it was mainly about the writer's husband knowing him and working with him. So Altimo, or Altimo, I don't know, terrified the community for decades. He was a serial killer and a rapist dubbed the Bike Path Rapist because that's where he would snatch his victims. Some of his crimes actually happened in the same park as mentioned in the previous story. He was a married man with kids who no one suspected. His last victim was a wife and mother of four who was just out for a jog. She was found raped and murdered. His crimes span 1975 to 2006 in Buffalo, New York, and its surrounding suburbs. An innocent man who has an intellectual disability named Anthony Capozzi was wrongfully convicted for some of the rapes. He spent 20 years in prison, but was exonerated in 2007 after Altimo was finally caught. So many more interesting details that I've left out of these two stories, but I think this email is long enough. Maybe Carrie will do an episode about one of these cases sometime. Love you too, ladies. I am so thankful to have found your podcast, and I listen whenever I'm cooking, cleaning, or driving. You guys are so relatable. I love the chemistry between you, love the tangents, and you make your listeners feel like true friends and family. You're the only podcast I've listened to in six months, when before I found you, I was rotating between six others. Please don't ever change. Also, thank you for sharing aspects about your personal life that you don't have to share. It's what makes your audience feel so close to you. I love all the updates. I laugh and cry right along with you. Well, I can't wait to hopefully hear this on the podcast soon. Creep it real and don't get scared. Christina A. I mean, usually our updates are somebody died in a TV show, but... <laughs> oh, and Carrie's cruise. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the whole getting married thing. But I mean, you know... <laughs> Just skim on past that, you know. Yeah, but that was surrounded by death, so. (laughs) That's true. But seriously, thank you so much. Also, those two cases were so brutal. Also, like, she's out and we don't know where she is. Those are the ones I hate. Because I feel like justice wasn't served. Yeah. Well, and she was how old? Like, a teenager. So, it's not like a 10-year-old did this. And, you know what I mean? You could try them as an adult. Yeah, 
And then that other one with the guy who was falsely convicted. What the hell? And because he had an intellectual disability, he probably didn't understand the questions and all that were being mm-hmm. asked of him. Every time you say that, you know who I think about? Brennan Dassey? Yep. Me too. Also, good on your grandma for being like looking out there and being like, hold on, hold on. This isn't, this isn't normal. Because, you know, you think you see a teenage girl, nothing's wrong. She's just hanging out, chit-chatting. But like, what if that ignited her spidey senses, I wonder? Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies and creepsters all. I'm new to the Facebook group, but have been listening to the podcast from episode one for a few months now. I love all the true crime and paranormal and enjoy listening to y'all and your banter. Okay, I'll get on with the story now. I have a few experiences and could go on and on, but since this is my first time, I will give two and see if they are good first. Okay, here goes. As a kid, I was left out and socially awkward. I was very interested in things most weren't around me and loved spooky. Well, I have grew up in the family home for 31 years. Before I was born, my parents bought the house at an auction for them and my brother. The house was abandoned for three years before this auction. One experience I had was I just came home from class in college and wanted to grab a nap before work. My father was down in the yard by our neighborhood road with some workers who were all guys, so I was the only female on the property and in the house at the time. This is important. Well, I wave at them and walk into our mudroom, take my shoes off, and turn to start walking into my bathroom, which is connected to my bedroom. Suddenly, I hear a lady say, hello, and jumped startled. I look straight in the kitchen and see no one. I stand like a statue, unable to move, and say, hi, is anyone there? No one answers, and I hear nothing for a while. I just nope the heck to my bathroom because now I really have to go and lock the door. Another time, I was very young, around six or seven. I have a small bedroom, perfect for me, that shared a wall with my brother's room. I had my headboard against that wall with the door to my room to the right of my bed and a window at the foot of my bed. I had woke up because I had a hard time sleeping as a kid and would lay there watching the cars go by on the main road, seven houses away from our house. I knew what the headlights looked like when they bounced around my room, so what happens was odd to say the least. Well, I'm laying there wishing I could just play with my toys and look at that window. To the right of the window, I see a bright form glowing on the wall. I slowly start to look at it, afraid if I suddenly looked, it would vanish. It didn't move or say anything, just formed and looked like it had a peaceful aura about it. There were no legs, it just floated against that wall. I looked around and there was no reason the bright form should be there. No nightlight and no hall light. I just watched it and eventually fell asleep. Now, looking back, I would have been so scared. Well, that was a long two stories and I rambled on enough. Hope y'all enjoyed these and if interested, I have more. I love the podcast and laugh so much while listening to you two wonderful ladies. All the best wishes for all the creepsters and you both. Love, Mandy. I love that you said, then I really had to go to the bathroom and lock the door. Right, because I would have too. Same. Very much same. And we definitely want to hear your other stories. I also, I can't relate. I slept as a kid. I sleep now. <laughs> I don't have a hard time staying awake or going to sleep. I have a hard time staying awake. <laughs> so I have the opposite problem of Donna. Mm-hmm. But put a movie on and I can nap that whole two hours. See, and I can't. Now, put on Paula's on, forensic files, <laughs> some shit like that. I'm out like a light. <laughs> Palazan is my go-to nap and headache. If I have a migraine, I like the TV on. Like, most people have to have a silent room. You used to have to have a silent room. I like a dark room 
Mm-hmm. and ice but i like a little bit of tv in the background and paula Zana's my go-to <laughs> if i met her i would die she would talk to me she'd say hello and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> but i remember you used to not like that so i would be in the dorm just being like cool yeah used to <laughs> but but now i like the like ambient noise and i know, know tv is not ambient noise, but you know what i mean like yeah. i like fans and you know yeah poor donna really was put through it because <laughs> we didn't have phones like we have now like yes. where i could just do everything on the phone no <laughs> like i could play snake <laughs> you could have studied we were in college i had to have the lights off it was daytime and there's study rooms on the floor well i'm not getting out of my comfy bed mm-hmm. if i had to put a bra on okay the last one everything is going to be okay hey queens Saludos desde Buenos Aires, Argentina. (laughs) Really, I'm terrible at accents. As you may have guessed, English is not my first language, so I apologize in advance for any grammar mistakes. I love your podcast. I listen to it when I walk with my dogs. You two are amazing. I always laugh and I have a great time listening to your stories. Well, on to my story. I was raised by my mom and my grandparents. Since my mom worked during the day, I spent most of my time with my grandparents, especially my grandpa. We were really close. His name was Umberto, but I always called him Gordo, which is fat in Spanish. I don't know why, but that's how I referred to him ever since I learned how to talk. When I was 12 years old, my grandpa suddenly passed away from a heart attack. He was a healthy, active person, so it really came as a surprise to everyone. It was really hard not having him with us anymore. Fast forward a few years, I was in high school having a really hard time. I was depressed and it got really bad to the point where I would spend full days without eating. One night I cried myself to sleep and had this dream. I was drowning so I started swimming to the surface and when I got out I realized I was actually in a pool. On the edge was my grandpa waving at me. I swam as fast as I could and he helped me out of the pool. He gave me this big hug. I cried and I remembered saying I don't want to go back. I want to stay with you. He told me I had to go back, that he wanted me to know that everything was going to be okay. I woke up with tears running down my cheeks. That hug felt so real. I didn't tell anyone about this dream, but it gave me strength to keep going. This doesn't end here. Years later, when I was 18, my grandma passed away after a battle with depression and Parkinson's. A few days after her passing, I had a dream. I was in a park filled with people, but the only faces I could see were the ones from my grandparents. I ran towards them and they both hugged me. They said they were sorry they had to go, but my grandpa reassured me everything was going to be just fine. After the hug, they started walking away. I followed them, but they went through this invisible wall that I couldn't go through. They kept walking and I woke up crying. I felt so grateful for getting to see them again, even if it was just a dream. It was their way of letting me know they were fine and happy. My grandma loved him so much and knowing they're together again is such a relief. Now I'm 25 and I can say Gordo was right. Everything is so much better now. That's all for now, ladies. Hope you like my story. Creep it real. Rocio. Sweet grandparents. I know. It's like they're so supportive and they helped you even when they weren't there. I don't get the nice dreams. Like I always get the dreams that are like the upsetting ones. Like every time my dad's in my dream, he dies in my dream. You know, like I get those dreams. I don't get the, hey, I missed you. Here's a hug. I just, I don't get those. 
I just get weird dreams yeah. where like it doesn't make sense. Like my mom's there and she's my mom, but you know, like it's nothing like a, hey, everything's going to be okay. Well, y'all are lucky that you get dreams where they like come to see you and they say, hey, we're great. We're wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank y'all so much for sending in all your stories. Keep them coming. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.